Hello and welcome to Equine Voices Podcast. My name is Ronnie, an intuitive equine communicator. I hope you enjoy this episode and thank you for listening. Welcome to Equine Voices. My name is Ronnie and I'm really pleased and delighted to introduce my guest. Her name's Heather Drummond from Canada. And shortly I'll bring her in and she can introduce what she does. We've had a few technical hitches and we've been laughing our heads off because we literally had four minutes and there was no sound coming out. So hopefully this will go fine. Heather is a natural path and she also does backflower remedies. She has her own podcast called Seers, Beers, Knowers and Doers. So she's got many talents. Without further ado, I'll introduce Heather. Oh my goodness, this is flowing beautifully. Would you like to introduce yeah. yourself? You'll probably make a better job than I just did. So off you go. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Ronnie. It's been really interesting to cross paths with you. It's almost like we're airplanes going the same direction, but periodically cross paths either with guests or just through Facebook. So it's lovely to finally meet you and chat. And I wish we chatted a little bit more before we got started, but good old Mercury got his hands in <laughs> and said, I mess with your technology. So thank you so much. A little bit about me. I joked before we started that I'm usually the one asking the questions. So I hope that it goes all right from this angle. So thank you. I am a naturopath for the last 17 years. And I started off as a kid wanting to be a vet. So as I developed my own business, I always included animals in my business. So dogs and cats and um, sometimes birds were a part of my clientele. I quietly made that available and that part always gave me joy. And in the last, I'm going to say five years, I dipped my toe in the land courses through a therapeutic riding program. I was a spotter and a walker and a lead. And then about a year after I stopped doing that, I got reintroduced into the horse world because it just had this intuition of, I need to learn about horses. And one of the people at that burn that the therapeutic riding was out of, was putting on a theory part of learning how to ride and stable management for a certification program for coaching. And I'm like, well, that's a place to start. So I started with that. And then I went into uh, another intuitive place where a friend of mine moved to France from my local area. And I mentioned to her that I wanted to learn about horses. And she's like, oh, you need to meet my friend's husband. And I'm like, okay. So through Facebook, I asked to meet him because he's not on Facebook. And lo and behold, he lives five minutes from my house and has a barn with anywhere from eight to 12 horses. And he's been in horses from a baby. His dad was a horseman. And so I landed very well right before COVID, September before COVID started. And as COVID happened, I was at that beautiful place, five minutes from my house, literally eight hours, sometimes 12 hours a day, and just got totally immersed and enamored with horses ever since. So I'm fortunate to be able to still go there. And, and I consider them like elders and I get to be in my presence regularly. So that part of my life is fun. On the business side, I do health assessment that actually supports people physically, emotionally, and energetically. And it's something that I developed because I didn't want to compete with anybody. And I use a machine called Biomeridian machine that helps me tune in. And I don't have to be present with the people. COVID was another blessing that way that opened that up wider because my local clients didn't know I would do that. And so I just work from home and use my hand as a surrogate, whoever I'm dealing with, whether it's a horse or a dog or a person. And so we figure out what can support them physically, emotionally, and energetically through that process. That's, that's a little bit about me. Wow, that sounds really interesting. So how how does the machine work? Is it a little bit like kinesiology, muscle testing? 
So it is part of that. The bond murdering is part of something that a gentleman named Dr. Boll developed, B-O-L-L. And he developed the process of combining Chinese meridians with other body parts. So using the hands and feet, you can tune into the vitality of the meridians. And also he mapped out through dealing with thousands of people that particular points on the hands and feet were actually mapping up to things like the lymphatic system or the throat or the ears or systems like the adrenals and the endocrine system. So he's actually done all the work and made it the map. And then from there, using that awareness, we're able to tap in, obviously with permission or the animal's permission to find out what's going on with them on those different layers. So, and it's, it's kind of like going into the energetic database. And so you can go back in time and see when things occurred or see how a body system felt four years ago or last January or whatever the situation was that may add insight into the mix as far as trying to discover and help people feel better or optimize health so that sounds really interesting so if you're doing it on a horse or anybody you don't have to be present you use your own body yes and yeah as a surrogate is there like a set pattern of things that you do i'm trying Um, to picture in my head what it looks like sure so when i first got trained in it 17 years ago they do have a set pattern and it goes through about 38 different body systems and so i usually use that as the as the map where to go at least at the beginning and then intuitively if we're drawn to dig down deeper than hypothetically the reproductive system we can go into well is it the left ovary is it the right ovary is it another aspect of the reproductive system that's having problems so his is kind of dealing with a whole system to start with because i see the body kind of like a a database we can Hmm. we can go into that file a little bit further and gather more information and again it's not replacing a medical test i'm not a doctor i'm not a vet it's just gathering insight into the vitality of particular aspects of the body physically. And I'm a firm believer that emotional and energetic aspects of life sit on top of the physical body and can create issues in the physical body. Me too. Yeah, I had a feeling about that. I was still laughing about earlier. We had a few technical hitches we didn't have any sound then we did have sound and then you couldn't hear me then I couldn't hear you and it was trying to get that organized before we actually went live so that was our first meeting yes we put an agenda we have to get connected first before we can do this for people live but you've got such a nice energy which is good I can feel it from here as you was talking about how you work with this what's the machine called again the meridian machine As you were talking, I was picking up from you that actually, although you're using that, you're also tapping into your intuition that that's coming through quicker than actually that you're picking up on the machine. So it's almost like you know before you get to the machine. Yeah. Because that's something that you do naturally anyway. Some people need the validation of numbers on a machine. And so that was a piece of of what drew me to the machine and at that point in my career too I was needing the validation of like is this for real like I've even asked for goosebumps to show up so I wouldn't miss anything near dealing with people's health I was like can you please make sure you give me a sign that I'm on the right track and yeah goosebumps showed up I'll be like pulling up my arm going see like that's important right there that's a sign I asked for it so I always wanted to know that gone had my back kind of thing and and yeah. I didn't want the full responsibility and people have the responsibility over their own health I'm just merely giving them information to mm. put against their own intuition and their own body and so merely giving them information that sometimes is confirming their intuition because yes. it's not being validated since their blood tests come back normal and my scale of normal is smaller than 
medical system. And that's a beautiful thing because otherwise people would think they were really sick a lot of times and they're not. It's just they need optimization, you know. Mm. Like you said earlier, everything that happens, I'm not going to say to us because it sounds like it's it's random and it's not always random, but everything that we are, how can I rephrase that? Bump up against? Yes. Or we attract, I mean, when you say that, they go, well, I didn't attract that. Yeah, it affects us in lots of different ways. And uh, even things that we think we can't remember, they can be years later and something will pop up and you think, oh, crikey, that's just come into my consciousness. That's just come into my memory. And some of them are funny things. You think, well, I haven't thought about that for ages. Yeah, it's very interesting. Heather, let's go back. When did you realize actually that you're intuitive? Everybody's intuitive. It's something that we've all got. So this podcast is based around people that are coming into contact with horses and it's how the horses help them in their lives and how it helps them build their own intuition, their own inner guidance. But it's not just horse related because when you use your intuition, it's something that you use from when you get up, from when you go to bed. It's not something that you use nine to five or a few hours and then you go back to your, you know, your other life. It's something that hopefully you can incorporate in your day-to-day life because that's when the magic happens as well. So if we go back, is it something that you feel you've always had, which you will have done, but was aware of? How did you do that in yourself? So my mom would describe me as fae, which to me is a word from the UK that describes intuition or, or more connected to the spirit than to the earth. I was a chatty Kathy as a, as a little one. And I distinctly remember this story of talking away at the dinner table and dad saying, would you go out and talk to the birds? And so I did. And he introduced me with that one comment to the crows every morning walking to school and having a chat with, with the animals. I, I was a kid who knew I needed a dog and the dog wasn't happening in my world fast enough. I think my dad was afraid of dogs and my mom had had dogs growing up. And so I think it was four going into school. And so I decided I was going to act like a dog. I kind of scratch at the door. I was going to beg for my food. I'm going to make this happen. And the kindergarten teacher called my parents like not long after school started and said you need to get this kid a dog and I'm like score like I don't remember even doing that math but I remember the I remember the dog showing up and being my best friend until third year university and I knew when she passed she was on the other side of the country and I called up studying for exams going what's wrong with buttons dad's like I'll get your mother and I'm like what's wrong with buttons and then mom said they had to put her down so that that way has shown up in different ways over time. So having dreams about situations and people, but it's not the actual people that those situations happen to. I think there was a time when I quit my job. I just quit my job thinking like, okay, I've heard the words I'm done. This has been corporate Heather, you know, the way that Drummond's operate you get a job you get pension you work hard and you're secure and everyone's okay and eat pray love was out about that time and i'm like well i'll just take a year for me that's socially acceptable like i can do that financially otherwise and literally like three weeks later i was registered for the school of natural nutrition here in canada because it was literally quarter kilometer away i could walk to school like a little kid again through the course of that course i was introduced to many things energy medicine chinese medicine obviously nutrition and at that point i was not feeding my body i had health issues and so that opened me up to learning how to make soup i didn't know how to make soup i didn't cook like we weren't allowed in my kitchen because it was always so small and so intuitively things have been put in my place even when i don't know what they are like i never would have guessed that i would take that course and when i 
year ended, I was like, I'm so not going into the corporate world in the way that I was before. And I kind of thrown the bathwater and the baby out at the same time because my amateur brain was like, oh, all that must be bad, right? And I was really good at hiring people and and managing people because that was the role I was in. And those things came natural. But in the course of throwing out the bathwater and the baby, that intuitive knowing went sideways and some lessons showed up in the form of people. And through the course of that learning, it's been interesting because that's shown up in the type of clients that I'm attracted sometimes is helping them with reorienting because I was giving a lot of power and I was going to the outside for advice way more than listening to my own intuition. So I don't know if power is the right word for that exactly, but in one shape or another. And so there was decisions with my business and decisions with personal life that were not intuitive. So I think at some point, there's a bunch of us that fall off our intuitive wagon and then we climb back on and then we protect it like crazy and are screaming from the rooftops that everybody needs to be listening to their intuition. And I was one of those people. I had fallen off the wagon and would listen to it sometimes, would listen to it in my work and literally heard, you know, you need to live like you're in an appointment or in a treatment. You need to live that way because you're not living that way right now. And I was like, huh, how do I do that? You know, like it was, it was a disconnect for sure because I was right in the throes of dealing with those people that I'd given a lot of power to because they knew more than me. So it's been fun. It's been a very, even the podcast was intuitive. So yeah, I don't know if that 100% answered your question. Yeah, so being intuitive, when you say that word, it sounds like you're in a a group of people that only certain people members of. Intuition is something that everybody has. Everybody has it, okay? Mm -hmm. It's whether we choose to listen to it or whether we believe it, whether we think it's our head shutting. And that's the same with communication. So when I'm doing animal communication when I first started and even now, until you've listened, said it and passed it on, you don't know if it's correct or not. And by that, I mean um, you need verification from the other person or you need something from the animal or the person to to say that you're on the right track. Mm-hmm. Because when you're communicating, the same with your intuition, you're interpreting a language that does not have words. It's energy, it's a feeling. And it's the feel that's really, really important because it's a feel that tells you whether you're off track or you're back online. And I don't think for me, it's something you stay in center balance the whole time because it's the fluctuations that give you the perspective on what you know is correct or not correct or feels good or doesn't feel so good. And that's something that you work on over time because it changes. It's even more subtle but when you come out of it it's like bam you know it's really bam because you got used to the nice feeling of it but again I don't think it's something that you stay in you're in it but you don't stay in a, in a bubble sat with your legs crossed because that's not what life is so it's the fluctuations it's the experiences that make you realize what you want or you don't want. So I'm not talking about extreme things because that does happen as well with mm-hmm. people. But it's like if you wake up in the morning and, and somebody somebody ticks you off and you can either decide to be angry all day and then probably oblivious to it anyway, or you can choose to release that steam and then just go, okay, that's that, that's gone. And think about something else and change your mood. And it's when you do that, when you start to play around with that, and the more you do it, the quicker you come back. And you still catch yourself. Sometimes it depends on where the moon is, where the sun is, what the weather is. You know, lots of things trigger you. Lots of things trigger you. My big thing used to be, which is a lot of people's things, money. I would never do anything because I didn't have And I'm conscious when I'm saying that word now that I don't like to use it too often. It took a long time because that goes back to being worthy and all that sort of stuff and back into your past and your parents and all that. If you wait for the right situation, the right money in the bank account, the right person to come along, the right job, 
the right lifestyle before you say, right now I'll do it, it's not going to happen. <laughs> I mean, it might do, but that might be something you're going to learn from that, that if you get all that, it doesn't mean to see you're going to be happy. But that's somebody else's lesson. So the biggest thing for me was to say yes to opportunities. And that's something I pinched off Warwick Schiller's podcast. He was saying that most of his guests, the biggest thing in common was they all said yes to opportunities, even before they knew whether they could do it or whether it was practical or whether it was viable. And I started to do that. And it was amazing what came along. And also decisions that you make. Normally, you would make a decision based on common sense, based on what you see, what's being presented, and is it going to work out? You'd want the whole package. Whereas I found now, I make a decision knowing nothing. If it feels right, and that's the thing, it's the feel. If it feels right, and I get that gut feeling to do it, I do it. Now, if I'm trying to make it happen... And I'm really pushing against it because I want to make it happen. Now, you and I know that <laughs> regarding the summit. And even that, I mean, everything was laid out for me up to that point, And then it didn't happen for personal reasons. And I was really, I'm going to swear, I was really pissed. <laughs> Excuse language. And yeah, that taught me a lot because there was lots and lots of triggers in there. Lots and lots of triggers. But yes. Yeah, for me, it's very much about the feel, which working with horses and the communication and watching and observing, that's taught me very much about the subtleties which you bring into yourself. Yeah, it's it's fascinating how it works, but you've got to have a leap of faith. That's the word I was looking for. You have to have a leap of faith yeah. and not wait for the right time, the right opportunity. The right opportunity, if it feels right, yeah. And it will come to you. You don't have to make it happen. If you have a passion for something or if you feel yourself pulled in a certain direction, you just follow that road and you wait for the opportunity. And it usually never lets you down. It doesn't let you down. It might give you skills and obstacles that you wouldn't necessarily ask for. However, quite often they are big teachers in their own way. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Had one lady share me on the podcast that even not listening is listening because you're still band up where you're supposed to go. You just will have chosen a different road to get there and you may have different lessons along that way. But I was like, what? And she's right, though. She's really right because sometimes I think we've lost the opportunity of the lifetime because we hesitated or whatever the case may be or we chose maybe the wrong relationship or whatever right but you do not stop your life and do not stop your learning just because of the choice you always have the opportunity to choose in the next 10 seconds and in the next 10 seconds and in the next 10 seconds and those choices can change and put you back on the original or the proverbial path but you know so she stuck with me because I was like, huh? This whole podcast full listening. You're a wild one there. But she was right because every 10 seconds we choose our life. We choose what we want to do next. We choose whether or not we respond to the opportunity. We might have said yes, but we might be in that pause and patience of waiting for the whole thing to show up because life isn't always instantaneous either. And so I think intuition also can come with patience because depending how people have intuition, some people are really, really, really good at seeing future events and others are more of intuition in the present moment. And if you get caught into seeing the potential, the intuition of the potential of the future, and you wait for that to occur and you live in between, that can be also a... Thing. Or if you're impatient with it, you can actually push it away because your impatience is not on the same frequency as the intuitive hit that was so delightful. So I don't know if that makes any sense or not. Yeah, it did. Yeah. I have a friend who I go to for guidance now and then, but I've never been one for going all the time and living my life to that. It's usually 
something she confirms for me. So I have a feeling and then she'll confirm it for me. And she's usually spot on, but sometimes due to external experiences and influences, it might not be on the time frame that was initially spoken of, but that's because every second you have a new path in front of you, as you mm-hmm. said. Every second you have another destiny. And this is why I say to people that like to have cards read or in communication, I will say to my clients, this communication is relevant for now at this moment. I could come back tomorrow. I could come back in an hour's time. And it may be different because the information that you've gathered may change your thought process, may change your mind, which will change the energy that's connected with your horse. And it's the same with everything. You can go somewhere and at that moment, because as the communication is coming, as the information is coming, the energy is already changing and it's on a different trajectory. I can't even say the word. Different. um, That's the word. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So getting your head around that, if you're not familiar, can be a bit hard at times. Yeah, definitely. I'm just going to put a few comments on. So Emily... Would you like to read that out for the benefit of the podcast oh, later? Gosh, Emily's just a delight to have in my circle. So I'm so happy she's here. This sounds a little egotistical to say this, but yes, thank you so much, Emily, for your kindness. She says, I'm so, so happy to see Heather being interviewed. Heather is amazing for humans and horses, and she and her talents have quite literally helped to change my life and the lives of my horses. Thank you, Emily. It's mutual because... You have to have people show up who are interested and open to the possibilities of what can happen in either animal communication or in a health assessment. Like, and Emily's one of these people. She, I keep telling her, you're my ideal client. Can I just photocopy and have more of you? Because her horses are such characters and delights to deal with. And Emily is just one of these people who is on this beautiful path of I'm just putting one foot in front of the other and doing what's right for her horses and herself and watching that transformation go on and being privy to just seeing the flower kind of, you've seen it too, I'm sure, Ron. You like when you see the flower of a person and their animals kind of open up. It's just such an honor, such an honor. You see it, I'm sure, Ronnie, when you see the penny drop as far as the animal communication is concerned and that bond between that person and the horse or dog or like gets deeper. It's like fireworks going off in my head. It's just so beautiful to watch. Yeah, it is. And uh, I was smiling because one of the things is accepting with gratitude when people are happy with your work or they want to give you a compliment because for me you sort of push it away I mean I do it so much now but it's one of the things that we're not used to accepting and that's actually a lesson for us to be okay to accept that and say thank you with gratitude because it's not always natural you know we sort of oh thank you and and change the subject so that's lovely that she came and said that about you Yes. Well, it's mutual. It's when you find the synergy with the right people who resonate with your work. To me, that sky is unlimited. Like it's the places we can go is Mm. just beautiful. So if I'm seeing a client, I love to show them to interact and to do something. I mean, they have a connection with their animal anyway. They have a connection and they wouldn't be getting me out if they didn't. And quite often it's just to confirm something they know or just to point them in the right direction. And sometimes what they think is important or what they're trying to ask, it's not relevant to the horse. That's not what they're interested in. And sometimes it can be hard to relay a message when you're going back to the human element and saying, what is it you want? You have to be honest with yourself. What do you want from this? Because what you're asking of the horse they're asking of you. And I'm just trying to think of an example. Yeah, I can't think off the top of my head. But sometimes they're the hardest ones because they both want slightly different things. So the horse can be capable of doing something and you know they're capable and they can relay that to me to relate to the person. But sometimes the heart isn't in it and it's not always because the horse's heart isn't in it. They know that the human 
its heart is not in it for their reasons, but they don't always know that because sometimes it's, I think I should be doing this, or that is the idyllic picture that I'm looking at. But actually, I can feel that inside of them, there's something that's not fully embracing that. And that's what the horse is picking up on. And that's a hard one to explain to somebody because I always hopefully would like to talk to a person the way that I would want to be talked to. Because if somebody came to me to say something, I'd want to understand and I'd want to do the best of changing something. So yeah, they are the harder ones. Sometimes it's just if they acknowledge that or understood that part, then it's like, okay, the rest of the communication can come. But until that's acknowledged, then it's a conversation they don't talk as we do, but it's almost like, well, what's the point? Because until that has clarity, you know, what you're asking me is irrelevant. So trying to get that across sometimes is difficult, especially if the person is unaware that that's how they feel, because it's not always what they're thinking, but there's something in the core of them that's blocking for whatever reason, but that's not my role. I'm not there to be a counsellor. However, sometimes it is a little bit trying to guide them to see that themselves because the power, as you said, is allowing them to find that themselves, not telling them you guide them and then they figure it out and that's the change. The greatest change is when we change ourselves. Nobody can make us change. Mm-hmm. Nobody has the power to make us do anything. But if we feel that we should, that's our choice. That's another direction. Yes. Anyway, Heather, I'm really interested about your podcast. Where did the name come from? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Literally, intuitively, it was like, your podcast is going to be Sears, Beers, Knowers, and Doers. And I was like, that's a handle. That even has like punctuation. And it's like, how are people going to search and find this? This is just like, wow. But I conceded that, okay, that's the way that a whole bunch of people receive intuition. I mean, there's many, many ways that people receive intuition. So I'm like, okay, sure, that works. I think I was into season two, like two years in, and I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. And I'm on a podcast saying this going, every morning I drive to work, I would always ask, kind of putting it in the field, like, Guide and protect me, make sure I see what I need to see, know what I need to know, do what I need to do, be what I need to be in order to be of service. Wow. <laughs> Two years later, I'm like, those are the same words. <laughs> That's the same thing I've been saying for 15 years. So the humor wasn't lost on me, but that is literally where it came from. Because I guess I just see it as an invitation also that there is more than one way to receive intuition. And the whole point is to pull intuition off the pedestal of like, oh, I went to see a medium or a channel. Great. Like, that's awesome. There are people that do that for a living and they can be very valuable in nudging people along or confirming their intuition. But like you say, everybody's got it. And so what I'm trying to do is by sharing people's stories and consciously asking every guest, how does intuition come to you? I'm trying to take that, you know, we fold a piece of paper and we cut out a gingerbread man and we pull it apart. We've got like 50 gingerbread man. I'm trying to give people the opportunity to go, hey, well, I've had that happen to me before. Yes, I've heard a song before and it actually resonated with the message and that made me do X, Y, and Z. So it's, it's to really inspire people to listen to their own intuition while sharing amazing people who are doing cool things in the world by listening to their intuition. So the title was, it's an awful. I'm sure people thought I was saying a store called Sears and let's go have some beers because of my accent. So it is a awful, but it's been fun because that's what it is. And I see it like crows gathering in the trees, like literally at night, if you've ever hung out and witnessed crows, Every night at dusk, they fly across that sky and they all congregate in trees for a meeting, nightly meeting. And it may change where it is in the location that you're at, but it's like being on a flight path. If you're anywhere near 
that location. And that gathering of pros is that community, that touching base, that is everybody accountable? Everybody's care for? Okay. How was your day? It's just a community, I guess. I'm trying to build a community of like minds and bring more along, bring more people yeah. along in this journey. Yeah. Which is what we need. Like you said, it comes in many forms. I'm sat here thinking, oh my God, she picks up like that. That's amazing. I wish I picked up like that. But it was my horse that got me into communication. But before then, I was going through a divorce. And I think I've mentioned this on another podcast, so I'll just touch on it. I was married. And on the wedding day, I remember saying to my friend, I don't want to get married. I don't want to get married. And she says, oh, it's nervous. I was going, no, it's not. And prior to then, I'd been the sort of person that probably would need somebody. It wasn't conscious, but I probably thought I couldn't do things on my own. You know, that was the way it was. And this this gentleman that I married was like a knight in shining armor at the time in disguise, but at the time that's what he seemed like. And he did lots of things I wasn't used to. You know, he's quite attentive. He actually bought me a horse because he knew I liked horses. And I was like, oh my goodness. But on either side, he was very insecure and very jealous. And he was total opposite to me, total opposite. I would talk and hug a stranger. And I found my whole personality changing. Now, I felt the signs, but I didn't at the time think that I was able to do anything about it or change. It was almost like I've made this bed, I have to line it now. And it was only because he went off with a friend and that was the best thing that ever happened to me because, you know, he was a compulsive. Yeah, actually, I better be careful. He was yes, full of he, lessons. He was full of lessons. And the best thing he did was went off with my friend because yeah. that's when I started to look and think I had the warning signs, but I ignored it because it was right on the day. People were saying no, but I basically did not listen to my intuition, my gut feeling. And I think it was a little while afterwards, I was walking somewhere and I questioned everything about myself. Why is there a pattern here? Why am I following this pattern? Because I've come from a divorced family. You know, what is this pattern? I need to break this. And it was the realization. So I didn't have the answers, but it was a realization that I'm responsible for my life and what happens in my life. It happens around me, to me, and because of me. But I'm not a victim. I'm not a victim. And as soon as I realized that, it was like I was walking in clouds and the feeling was, it was very euphoric. It was beautiful. And I thought, I've got it. I, that's it. But it was the realization. So again, I didn't need to know the answers. I didn't need to know my path ahead of me. I just acknowledged my own ignoring of myself. And that's coming through now <laughs> very clearly. And that was, hello, welcome home. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so that was my, not my first, but it was my boom. Okay, there you go. Now let's start again. And it was a rocky road, but I would never go back. I'd yeah. never go back. Yeah. Lessons like that, I see it like they give you the gift of legs and spine. And like I said before, kind of that reverence of your own connection with your own intuition and your own voice. Sorry that you had to go through it, but you likely wouldn't change it because it's given you everything that you do today, right? Like those are the things that it's like, oh, I wish I did that sooner. That was kind of bumpy. But now you can see it a while away and you can help others with it. At least that's kind of been my path is, is being able to like, okay. I think it's letting people know that there is always another choice. This is not it. Wherever you are in life, if you're not happy. Now, I can sit here and say that because I'm a single person. I have my animals, but I'm responsible for me. I don't have to think about anybody else. If you're in a relationship or you're married, you've got children, it's slightly different. But you don't ignore your needs for everything else because of giving out everything instead of looking after the one person that you really need to because that person's important too. I was going to go somewhere else, but the word selfish is a word, but it can have many meanings. But actually, 
you, the person, are the most important person because if you don't look after yourself, you can't look after everything around you. You can't look after others. If you're contented in your life and you drive for what you want and you believe in what you want, then it has a knock-on effect. It has a butterfly effect. And your family and your children, your friends will see that. They will either have a moment where they see that and think, that's given me inspiration. Or they'll go in another direction. Yeah, I don't know where I'm going with this conversation now. That's getting quite deep. <laughs> and it's interesting because I'll bring it back to the horse is many, many horses have been the messenger for self-care for their owners. I don't know if you see that pattern in your world, but in my clientele, many, many, many horses have been a messenger for self-care for their owners. In my world, it's like, I know you're trying to care for me, but it becomes a two for one that the horses are standing there nudging the person to look after themselves, you know? So I don't know if you see the same thing. I do, and there's lots of different reasons. But obviously, animals are the, the same as humans. They have needs too. So if their owners are carrying so much baggage, emotional baggage, tension, and they're not looking after themselves. Sometimes that's a lot for an animal because, and it's not the way we think. It's just like, why are you doing that to yourself? Why would you do that to yourself? You know, why would you hurt yourself? And they want us to be the best of, that we can be so that we can see clearly, we can see what's in front of us. And sometimes they're saying, then you can see me, then I can talk to you, then I can give you answers to the questions. And it's not quite as simple as that, but it's hard to explain sometimes. And people will do things, not all people, people who I like to attract into my practice, and I'm sure into your practice, are people who are motivated to do the right thing by their horse. So if the horse can use that, the horses are smart. They're going to use whatever they can to get the message across to their people. And it's stress or energy or whatever those circumstances are of the person or the barn or the horse themselves that is creating that dynamic of fog or disconnection or lack of presence or whatever the situation is that people will be motivated if they're in our practice or listening to this podcast i'm sure to make those changes for their animals like what a gift that the animal is giving people because sometimes people won't do it for themselves to start because that program of selfishness is out there loud and clear yeah and so their animals are amazing they're just amazing mm. i mean i'm smiling because i'm one of those people so even though i'm saying that i do the same thing and i'm aware of most of it but i'm not aware of all of it you know i'd be amazing if i was and i'd be sorting myself out it's an ongoing thing but you do talk to yourself. I mean, I talk to myself all the time. It's almost like I'm talking to another person. And sometimes it's like, for goodness sake, get a grip, girl. And then other times it's, you know what you should be doing. You know she's been saying this for a while. So what are you doing? And you can feel yourself having an argument. <laughs> so I never talk to somebody as if, here am I, I'm perfect. You know, I've got all the answers and this is what you should be doing. God, no. But this is the empathy and the understanding that I, I can hopefully bring with me when I connect somebody and it's not just horses it's everything as you know it fine-tunes you it's almost like an antenna it's fine-tuning that antenna to where you're picking up lots of things but you cannot be listening to every single conversation the universe has floating around because you wouldn't have time to do anything I mean I get messages and most of the time I'm in my car driving and sometimes it comes in waves it's like there'll be a few people and I'll be getting messages and then it, it sort of naturally subsides but it's usually because they've already started to listen more to their intuition or they're on that path anyway and it's not needed but also if I stay connected with every single person that I've connected to I wouldn't get out of bed. There'll be no time because I would be constantly like on the phone 24 7. Mm. So it comes at the right time for whoever. And I'm just one little, little wire that's going to wherever's needed at the time. So it grows across the board. 
your intuition. Heather, where are you today? What is it that you've got planned coming up? Is there anything new that you're, you're going to be experiencing or pushing out yeah. there? Again, the element of intuition and patience sometimes hand in hand. You know, from when I was a kid, I was wanting to be alone on the mountain with my animals. And I don't think that I'm going to be alone on a mountain with my animals. But what's kind of playing in the field is that animals are coming, maybe not just for me to care for, but I think that there's an opportunity with mental health and stress and animals to support us in that way. And I don't know what it looks like yet, but it could be five years from now. It could be whenever, but there's something brewing in that way, shape or form in the very local sense and in the business sense. I'm really being drawn to get writing and put some of the patterns that I'm seeing in the last 17 years there on, on paper, possibly to help people who don't find me any other way. Because currently that doesn't really exist. So I think there's some element of that that's going to be happening in the next year. Not totally clear on whether that's a book or articles for different platforms. I'm not totally clear what that is, but there's time that's going to be spent writing, I think. So do you do any writing at all at the minute? Writing has always come very easily for me it's just knowing what people want to know what do you want to know i can write an article about that like it's it's knowing what the need is it's been like luck but i have done writing for my own blog i've done not tons for multiple podcast guests who's become a part of my worst marketing is maida pasman and she she nudges me she's like right with this right with that and so that's been a fantastic partnership that I brought into my business in the last year or so. And that came about on cast. It's like, you love horses. You don't have horses. You're a digital marketer. Like, excuse me. Like, can you do this for me? Because this is the void of mine. I need somebody to give me topics and I will write. And it happens. It definitely happens. But I don't think in the scope that it's going to happen in the next year. But as you was talking, what I was getting is don't aim for an audience. The audience will find you. So you write for you, not for somebody else. Yeah. Because I, it's you that's going to attract the readers yeah. that's needed. I think it's going to be the work that I do with my health assessment that's going to land in some shape, whether yeah. it's book or, and that would be writing for me as opposed to the audience because the audience doesn't even know that that information exists. <laughs> so. It'll be a good reminder for people who have been clients, but it'll be an opportunity for people with trauma or stressed inflammation to gather an awareness through a book instead of through an appointment. So yeah, I think that's what's next. Sounds exciting. And you mentioned you don't own a horse, but you have the privilege of being around a lot of horses. I'm very aware of my beautiful landing spot in terms of that burn, he's graciously kind of been my test kitchen for for dealing with inflammation, dealing with older horses, seeing the effects of supporting a horse with chronic reverse polarity, which is recovering from a stress that happened in the past that the being has stayed in the stress. Can you explain chronic reverse polarity? What does that actually mean? Can you explain to the listeners? It's something that isn't on a lot of Bull's radar, but it happens to every being made with water, including plants. And you witness it with plants. When you transplant a plant, they go through a period of stress and then they write themselves typically because they're grounding themselves often. But not every transplant works, right? So what is the math there? From a human or from an animal's perspective, a lot of chronic reverse polarity is from either the stress was big enough that your immune system couldn't recover from. Reverse polarity is a stress that isn't big enough that your immune system can recover from. And so everybody made of water, which is a polar molecule, has those poles actually shift from positive to negative, negative to positive. And so in that shift, the spinning that occurs, if you were to put two magnets pointing to each other, They'll actually spin if the two North Poles are 
pointing to each other. They won't stay that way. It'll actually spin and the self will point to the north. So there's literally spinning going on inside all of our alarm molecules, which to me in a non-medical, non-scientific sense, creates assembly lines. So that transfer of nutrients and talks throughout the body happens because we're made of water. And when you have a stress, it will reverse for anywhere from 20 minutes to five days. And a stress can be something positive, like going on a trip, but you go on an airplane and you change elevation and that time zone change can be enough of a stress to constipate somebody when they're on a trip. But then on day four, they're like, yeah, I'm right train, let's go. And that reversal of an assembly line is when they're reversed but it can also be something like an operation where they went under anesthetic or anesthesia or it can be like a divorce or something very emotional a death of a close loved one like it can be anything on the radar screen and if their immune system is not strong enough or the stress was continuous Meaning in the next day, there was another stress. In the next week, there was another stress. If that situation prolongs itself or the stress was large enough, sometimes the immune system is not strong enough to correct how those assembly lines work. And so then it becomes chronic and can go on for decades in some cases. And there's usually a knowing that, yeah, it was actually a really busy time in my life or... Yeah, actually, if I think about it, the people around me, my parents got divorced. You know, there's usually something, whether it's conscious or unconscious, that the body will be like, yeah, that that was hard then. Or my boss felt as good as it should because I'm doing all these right things, but I'm still not sleeping or I'm still experiencing a situation that is not as good as it should be based on what I'm doing for my body. So yeah, I work with that quite a bit for horses, dogs, cats, people. Tara's um, just asked a question. How do you know your horse has chronic reverse polarity? How do you know you or your horse's chronic reverse polarity? So one of the things that has become apparent is if something doesn't work as it's supposed to, so hypothetically person who drinks coffee and can go to sleep at night like right before bed they're having a coffee and they can go to bed that isn't working like it should so that would be a classic case it's probably spinning the wrong way hence reverse polarity so it doesn't necessarily have to be detrimental but often if somebody takes fish oil for example and they burp it up all day that's an assembly line that's going the wrong way that would be a sign if you are trying and trying and trying and trying to have like supplements or food or the hoofs never heal. Like we cannot get that fixed. Like those would be signs that something is reversed because on paper, everything you try should have developed a outcome that made sense on paper. So that's one of the things that you can look for. The other thing is if you have had that sensation of like, it should be better than this. Like I do so much and I'm still experiencing symptoms. The other thing can be very behavioral, like from a horse's perspective. Are they more spooky since a trailering incident? Are they more agitated in the cross ties since you know, that groom that no longer works here? Or are they dealing with something, you know, you treated them for ulcers, it should be fixed by now, but they're still sensitive. Like, there's situational things where something just feels off intuitively that my result is not mapping to the effort that I'm putting in. Does that make some sense? Yeah, so do you do something to help that? How does it work? So sometimes it's supporting the energy of the being because literally they've been body checked into the wall by life. And so their energy can become discombobulated and that can be being aware that their energy feels heavier or they're more tired than they should be. I use applied kinesiology muscle testing to support 
people and horses and dogs and cats to figuring out what is the immune system needing to get this corrected? Like, why is there a lack here? And so we'll go through nutrients and dosages and lengths of time. And then in that time period, the correction occurs because we put the right nutrient in the body and it could be more fat in their diet for X amount of time. It could be something as simple as brewer's yeast or it could be MSM. Like there's a lot of different nutrients and intuitively people sometimes try the right nutrient, but they don't have the volume. Yes. Correct. Yes. Right. So I tried turmeric. What do you mean? And I'm like, but it's this many milligrams or grams of turmeric. How much did you try? Well, I only tried it for four days. So it wasn't worth it. And so again, there's that validation of the intuition working. And it's just like, okay, sometimes that patience component needs to be in there because they noticed maybe the spook or the cinch, but the horse wasn't right from a trailing incident four years ago. But because the horse is stoic and loves you, he's not expressing that has been going on that long. But now his toxic load is such that he just can't hold it in anymore. And so you're seeing the last 30% of the toxic load yes. basically expressing itself or the inflammation. Does that make some sense? No, it's really, it's really interesting. And some of the things have uh, been in my awareness from what you research and you're looking into lots of things you hear snippets and you hear information and different things when you was talking about the cells the cells all vibrate and a mm. cell knows how to work mm. a healthy cell knows how to work it vibrates and then you get the rogue cell which can be illness and it's because that's not in sync with the other cells mm. and it's trying to get that cell to move in the same way as all the others they all have their own memory and a cell is a unique energy form it's in its own right certainly yeah, <laughs> and there's many layers to this but it can be extremely simple as well. It doesn't have to be complicated. Dosage, as you said, you can intuitively mm. think I need this or I can get that. And that's why it's a minefield sometimes where you try something and it doesn't work or it doesn't seem to work. So you go somewhere else and get something else. Yeah, so the fact that if you can give somebody the dosage of something, because sometimes it's the smallest dosage that has the biggest effect because it's literally that essence of what's needed which can make a big change, which is actually, I'm being told to say, remember, that's the same for energy. The yes. tiniest thing sometimes is the thing that's needed, not the big thing. Not the big thing, totally. But as humans, yeah. we like gadgets, not me personally, but you know, it's gadgets, that does that, that does that. We like to know why something works. And that's the hard thing to trust. We're going back now to the intuition. Yeah. It doesn't matter to me where my information comes from. It doesn't matter to me how it comes. I know and trust that it's right and it's from the purest source. Okay, whatever you want to call it, intuition, God, angels, whatever you want to call it, whatever your belief is, it doesn't matter. It matters that it gets to where it's needed and it can be accepted and they can make the smallest to change, which is what we should be doing with ourselves. If we can feel a difference, because the mind's very clever, if you think that something's going to make you better, it can make you better. And we know that from the placebo, but yet we are still convinced that somebody else has the power to do everything. A lot of times the forces are, are such amazing messengers for being. And when we be, sometimes that is when the intuition comes. And so if they're not able to be, like if they're in an uncomfortable body, they can be wonderful messengers for us to tune into our own body and say like, you know, how are we doing mm -hmm. as well? Like, are we able to hold that being with them being? Or how are we when they're not being as well as they could be? I don't know why I have sent any of that. It has been so lovely chatting with you and I don't know why we didn't get together soon. No, I know. And my jaw cheeks are still hurting from earlier, so much laughing. Before we go, if anybody has a quick question that they'd like to ask Heather, do a message and we'll get that on while we just have a little chat. So your podcast, it's so funny because I, I think I came across that before I started to do my podcast. I wasn't sure what to categorize it as. 
because what I have is not sort of something that quite fits it. So you try to find the nearest thing. And for ideas, I was looking at other people's, you know, the, the pictures that they put up for the podcast. So I just made a simple one, but I remember coming across yours and some other ones as well and listening to those. So it's quite funny that I'm chatting to you now today. It was a couple of years ago, I think. How long have you been doing your podcast? September 2019. It's the same time as I found horses, like yeah. intensely at that barn. Like 30% of the podcast is people I want to talk to in the horse world going, hi, if I could be on my podcast. And yeah. it's just so wonderful. You have the same network, I'm sure. I call it the light bright forge of these bright lights around the world that you actually get to have an intimate conversation with about things that they don't usually talk about in their world. Yeah. Easy. When they say yes, I still find that very humbling because as I'm sure you did, you contact people that don't know you. Yes. The last person, in fact, before this one, I was chatting to Steve Halfpenny from Australia and that really took me surprised because the conversation went somewhere else and I was like, I wasn't expecting that. And it was just lovely. Yeah, cool. it was really lovely. He didn't come from horses. He's English and he moved out there. Um, and he wasn't into horses, but his wife says, you do realize we're going to have animals and horses. And so <laughs> he, he started to ride and he, he said, I was like a typical man, you know, rode the horse as not like a machine, but it was meaning that sort of thing. And his wife said to him, there is another way. I don't like that way. And he says, well, I don't know what you mean. And so he started to look into that through through different things and it's completely changed. So that was a really interesting conversation because I did not expect that yeah. at all. Especially when you're chatting to a man and you can be that open. It was, beautiful. yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. But Yeah, beautiful. Uh, I actually found him through Listen to the Horse, Elaine Penny. I think that was her documentary and I paid attention. Like he does not get on a horse until they're six because he honors their spine and i'm like oh, how beautiful because that's not all right when he was talking you know a man getting on a horse and expecting to do as it's told that's quite brave to say that so yeah he's completely changed we have a question that you can do those text remotely yes because everything's energy so it's like tuning in radio station 100 percent. that's the easiest way or a cell phone call like you don't actually see the waves of energy when we tune into a radio station or make a cell phone call or a telephone call for that matter. So I just tune in with the people's permission because they're usually on the phone. And I always check from the horse's perspective because every horse has their own personality. It's like you can't just barge into the barn with animals. Can I check in with them and see whether or not they even want you in their field? And some are very chatty and some, well, I'm talking to the choir here, Roni, but some are very chatty, some are very reserved, some are like, what are you wanting to do specifically? But it's like a radio station. And so my hand just becomes a surrogate for that so channel. The answer is yes. Tom. I'll just share a quick little story. I went to see some horses at the weekend and one particular pony, I'm sure she won't mind me mentioning he was so chatty, but he was one of these horses that observed everything that was going on at the stables, at the yard, you call it a barn. And he was one of these horses that if people want to ride out, he would be a confident booster next to their horse because he said, I don't like to be at the front. I don't like to be at the back. I like to be in the middle. And then the owner said, yeah, well, that makes sense. And he had some personal messages for the owner because there was people listening. I take the person away and just relate that part but it was lovely because he was concerned about somebody there and he says he needs your support and I think it's somebody here and it was one of the girls listening wow. and she says I think that's me and I said oh how beautiful that he's sharing that and he knows that but he felt like he that would give you a hug and say are you okay take a seat I'll make you a drink of tea and they are so different but yeah he took me by surprise because you do get them but his energy field was big and he observed and he felt everything and he was willing to interact with that he was comfortable in his skin doesn't mean to say he's perfect, but he wanted to do, he liked his role, he liked his job, he had fun and that's what he wanted. Sometimes you can have an animal that mentally they will keep going until it's time to go and that's what they want, whether they've got three legs or four. And then it's up to the owner to say, well, actually, I think we'll just step it down a little bit. 
And he was very much that character. He was lovely. He was lovely. I mean, I'm smiling now from the conversation. Yeah. When he said, there's somebody here that needs your support. And she happened to be stood there, which was great. Wow. They're magical moments because everybody gets to feel that love and that energy from that horse. And then you can see it in the face like, wow, okay. (laughs) Because it's not just a horse anymore. No. Uh, And that's lovely. You're so much more than a horse. Absolutely. Right. I've had you on here for quite a while now. So thank you so much. Welcome. It's been lovely. Is there any parting words that you'd like to say before you go? If you haven't, don't worry. That's absolutely fine. You said quite a lot. Being, being comes up more. I think I'll lead to be more, less doing, more being, being. Being in the moment, whatever that is. Yeah. Absolutely. It's been a real pleasure. How lovely is Heather? Thank you to everybody that's joined. I hope you enjoyed that. There's so much information that Heather shared. If you want any more info, just go to her website and uh, contact her personally. And I'm sure she'll be happy to get back to you. I definitely would like to have her back again. It would be really nice to catch up and see what she's doing next year. Right, I'm going to go make a cup of tea because I'm really thirsty now because I've been talking too much. Thank you very much. Have a lovely evening, lovely afternoon, wherever you are in the world. Take care and I'll speak to you soon. Thank you and bye for now. You've been listening to Ronnie King at Equine Voices. Thank you for listening and speak to you soon.